Once again, pleasant good morning. Pleasant good morning to all. We're going to focus together in this part of our worship on some Thanksgiving meditations. Some Thanksgiving meditations. Mark chapter 6 and 31, Jesus says something very special to his, to his disciples. Mark 6 and verse 31. He told them to come apart, come along to a quiet place by yourselves and rest a while. For many had been coming and going and they had not even had the leisure to eat. Notice it again in Mark 6 and 31. Jesus said to his disciples, come along to a a quiet place with me by yourselves and rest a while. For they have been coming and going and not even had the opportunity to eat. Many of us feel like we get pretty busy. We kick up a lot of dust uh, during the week. We stop and think about it. Jesus, in his 33 years on this earth, he accomplished more than anybody else ever has or ever will. And yet, at the same time, he had time for little children. Isn't that strange? He had time for little children, even. We read in Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. No one was ever as interrupted as Jesus. People were coming to Jesus They wanted him to heal them or heal a relative or heal a friend. They would interrupt his conversations and ask him questions. They wanted to know, some wanted to know more about God. Some were just curious. Some wanted to attack him. But no one was ever as interrupted as as Jesus. And yet, he never really seemed to be in a hurry. He is indeed the great physician. And the great physician says, come apart for a little while and and rest, reflect, and think. And that's what we're doing together today, is we want to think, we want to reflect, we want to meditate. We're going to meditate along the lines of being thankful, thanksgiving. So four key words together this morning, four key words. The first key word is memory. Memory. Thanksgiving is associated with, with memory. Turning over to Mark chapter 8 and verse 18, you'll notice this is one of those occasions in which Jesus had led his disciples across a lake. And as they came across the lake, the disciples realized they had forgotten to get bread. And they began to whisper among themselves, you know, we forgot bread. And Jesus knew what they were thinking And he pounded them with a series of questions. If you look down to Mark 8 and verse 18, one of the questions is this. Do you not remember? Do you not remember? You see, just a little while ago, Jesus had taken a a meager portion of food and in a miraculous way, he had multiplied it and fed thousands of people with that. And here they are. Here his disciples are, having witnessed that, yet they're concerned about bread, and Jesus looked to them. He was so disappointed. 
And he said, do you not remember? You see it there, Mark 8, 18 and 19. He goes on to say, when, when I took the five loaves and fed the 5,000, how many, how many fragments, how many baskets and pieces of fragment, fragments did you, did you collect at the end? They said 12. And, and when I took the seven loaves and fed the 4,000, how many baskets did you collect then? They said seven. Well, they did remember. He said, do you not understand? Do you not understand? You see, Jesus is looking toward their memory. The Lord expects us to remember, to remember. They had forgotten in just a short time, they had forgotten the Lord's goodness. They had forgotten the Lord's power. The same can happen with us. We also, sometimes we also have a short memory. Sometimes we also are very slow to comprehend. We are slow to understand. Sometimes we are very hesitant to trust the Lord when we should certainly trust Him with all our heart. Sometimes we're slow. Now the disciples, they had the advantage there of, of witnessing the miracles of Jesus, but we have a lot of advantages too. We have, we have scores of Bible passages to lean upon. We have Bible accounts, Bible stories. We've got the example of Jesus, example of Paul. We've got the touch of God's providence in our hands. We have seen close up, we have experienced the, the care and the provisions of God, and yet sometimes we too are slow to comprehend. We have a short memory. And Jesus would look to us and say, Do you not remember memory? Memory. Look over also to Luke 17 and verses 11 through 19. This is the familiar time when Jesus heals the ten lepers. You remember this? And only one of the lepers returns to render uh, thanks and praise, praise to the Lord. Sometimes, there was a writer who once commented on this. And he said, oftentimes when men get what they want, they never come back. I believe that we see this right here, don't we, in Luke 17. Oftentimes when men get what they want, they never come back. What a lesson in life. What comes to my mind for a second is when Judas took those 30 pieces, he's, already, he's done his job, he's betrayed the Lord, Matthew 27 verses 3 and 4 he's betrayed the Lord now he he's full of regret he takes his 30 pieces of silver he comes back to the chief priests and the elders of the city and what do they, they he says to them I have sinned Judas does he says I have sinned I have betrayed innocent blood and they said to him what is that to us See thou to it. And then Judas threw down the pieces of silver and ran out and hung himself. You see, the chief priests and the elders had gotten what they wanted from Judas, and now they had nothing else to do with him. When a man gets what he wants, he, he never comes back, or he seldom comes back. And sometimes that's how we treat God. We, we want the blessings from God, but we don't want to return. Looking here at Luke 17, there is a pattern that we see. It's a very important pattern. 
if you glance down to verse 13 and 14, especially in Luke, Luke 17, notice that the men who wanted to be healed, they came and they recognized Jesus. They had some knowledge of Jesus, and this knowledge had impacted their heart because they, they looked to Jesus and said, and said, Lord and Master, Lord and Master, have mercy on us, Lord and Master, Lord and Master. So the, the first part of the pattern here is, is they had learned about Jesus to the point where they knew that he was the Master, that he had the opportunity, had the ability to help. Okay. So they were ready for a command, and Jesus gives them a command. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And so they received the command, and they obeyed. And when they obeyed, notice it there in verse 14, they are cleansed. That's a very, very important pattern. Notice the pattern there. First, they recognized him as master. Then they were ready for the command. Then Jesus gives the command. They obey the command, and they get cleansed. Okay. And so there's an expectation of return of thanksgiving. Now, think about our own situation. We're not lepers, but something far worse has happened to us. We're sinners. We're sinners. But the pattern is the same, especially if we compare this to Acts 2, 36 to 38. The first part is, you know, you recognize Jesus as Lord. Peter says in Acts 2 and 36 that, that this Jesus whom you crucified, God, has made both Lord and Christ. So you first recognize him as Lord and Christ. He's, he's our Savior. He's our Master. And through the knowledge of Scripture. And Peter had just preached uh, from Scripture there in Acts 2, about 22 through 36. He had just preached about Jesus right from Scripture. And so the first part of the pattern is to recognize Jesus as Lord and Master. And now you're ready for more commands. And Jesus says in Acts 2 concerning our sins, repent and be baptized. And those who repented and were baptized were cleansed from their sins. You see that? Recognize him as Lord. Obey what he says. Okay, listen for the command. Obey what he says. And then you're cleansed. But what is expected is that we would then be full, so full of thanksgiving that we would take every opportunity to return thanks. There in Luke 17, one returned thanks. And Jesus asked the question, well, where are the nine? Where are the nine? And we get a good idea of what the Lord expects of any of us who are blessed, especially if we are blessed with forgiveness, a soul salvation. The Lord expects us to have a memory, a memory that will lead us to thanksgiving. We can take the words of Jesus and apply them to any of our nighttime assemblies or any of our assemblies and just ask the question, where are certain people? Where are people? Okay. Because people, each person out of their own heart of thanksgiving is to seek the opportunity in worship to render thanks unto the Lord. And just as the Lord said, where are the nine? We could say, well, where are people? You see, thanksgiving is the pure motive to bring someone to worship. Thanksgiving is the motive 
of the heart that drives someone to want to know more about the Lord. So the first key word this morning, uh, memory, memory. Our second key word is vision, vision, vision. Of course, not, not physical vision, but rather how we look at life, mental vision, spiritual vision, how we perceive things. Ephesians 1.18, Paul speaks of the eyes of the heart being enlightened by the knowledge of God. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of the heart. That's always intrigued me. The eyes of the heart. There's so many good things in this world. And we're not surprised. This is the Father's world, isn't it? Do we still believe that? This is our Father's world. There's so many good things in this world that we must, we must train our eyes to see the good much more than the evil. Not that we don't recognize evil and teach against evil and help people with the evil that's in their hearts and lives, but at the same time, if we're going to be thankful, we must train our eyes to see the good much more than the bad. We once heard the story of a lady by the name of Miss McCoy, and she grew apples, and one year she had a banner crop. And she knew it, and everybody knew it. She was a disgruntled lady, but she had a banner crop of apples. And her neighbors saw it. One of her neighbors came up to her and said, Your apples, they're so shiny, they're just picture perfect. And she came back and said, Miss McCoy did. She said, Well, they'll do, but where are the rotten, rotten ones for the pigs? Hmm. Sometimes we just can't be pleased. She had a great apple crop. But she was accustomed to having some rotten ones with no rotten ones. No, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I, how am I going to feed my pigs? That's so different from Barnabas. We read about Barnabas in Acts 11, 22 to 24. And he went down to Antioch and to help with the gospel work going on there. When he came, he saw the grace of God, it says. And it says there that he was glad. He was glad. When he saw the grace of God, he was glad. When he saw the gospel being taught, he saw people listening. He saw people responding. He was glad. And he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord and many more were added unto the Lord. You see what kind of man Barnabas was? We must train our eyes to find the good, and that'll help us to be more full of thanksgiving. A reporter once went to a couple of bricklayers. She went to the first bricklayer and said, well, tell me about your job. And he said, oh, we're, we're treated like slaves. We're underpaid. We're out here in all kinds of weather conditions. And we, we do the same boring thing, one brick after another, all day long, every day. And then the reporter, she went to another worker, bricklayer, and he had a different story. He said, we are the luckiest people on earth. We get to be involved in, in this grand structure. 
And in a little while, these bricks won't just be bricks, but they'll be a masterpiece. And we get to be part of that. And we're out, we get to be out here every day working on this magnificent structure that will be. Different tune. One had trained himself to be thankful, and the other had not. You see, the way we see is more often a reflection of ourselves than anything else. The way we look at life is oftentimes more a reflection of our own weaknesses and failures. If I, if I, um, if I see defeat and complain about defeat, then most of the time I'm going to be a defeated person. If I, if I see and complain about uh, fear, then most of the time I'm a person who's afraid. If I, if I see and complain about a lack of this and a lack of that, then probably there's a lot lacking in my own life. And so we must think about vision. We must think about uh, vision. How, especially, how do I see God? How do I look at God? There's an important verse in Joshua 14, 23, Joshua toward the end of his life. And he had led the people into the land and helped them to, to settle. But along the way, you remember, as you, you've, if you've read your Bible through Exodus and Numbers, and if you go over to the book of Hebrews and read Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, you know the people continuously grumbled. As they were being led by Moses through the wilderness, Often saying, you know, it'd been better for us to be in Egypt than to be out here. And yet Joshua's told him in Joshua 14, 23, God, in all of God's promises, he has not failed in one single instance. Not one thing has failed of all that the Lord promised unto you. How do I look at God? Do I look at him as someone who has failed me? or as someone who is truly on my side. So the second key word this morning is vision. Vision. A third word that we need to think about for a minute or two is the word abundance. Abundance. Because we just left off talking about what our view of God is. So let's think about that for a second. What is our view of God? When we think of God, you think of abundance. Abundance. A preacher a few years ago, well, actually several years ago, a gospel preacher by the name of Bob Plunkett uh, preached over here in near Tuscumbia. And he told one time that it was after the holidays and he and his wife um, were, were there at home wondering what to eat. The kids had come in, grandkids had come in and, and left, and now they're just wondering, well, what, what do we need to eat for a few days? And they decided on spaghetti, spaghetti. Got a bunch of noodles, added some sauce and some meat, and they said, this ought to last us a couple of days. And as Brother Plunkett told it, it didn't last just a couple of days, it lasted a week. He said it seemed like the spaghetti just kept growing, it kept growing. He said the more they took it out and warmed it up, it seemed like it just kept growing and kept growing. They couldn't get rid of it. They even offered it to some of their, some of their neighbors. You know, he called it, eventually he called it the the miracle spaghetti. Just joking, of course. 
But he said when he was talking about this, he said it reminded him of the gifts of God. How the gifts of God never run out. In fact, they just seem to get, be getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And if you really stop and consider it, you have to agree. Think about the, the sun. Does the sun ever run out? The sun just keeps on shining. It keeps on giving the heat. It keeps on giving the light. And it keeps on giving the benefits that this whole world and this universe needs day after day. It, it never runs out. Even when there's clouds, the sun is still shining behind the clouds. We think about the rain and the snow and the rivers and the lakes and how it just keeps on giving. You know, we, we as, a, as a population, we extract enormous amounts of water out of the lakes and rivers, and yet we never run out. It just keeps on giving and keeps on uh, giving. We think about the, the good ground all over this earth and how that, that you know, Month after month and year after year and season after season and even generation after generation, the good ground keeps bringing forth good food, which also brings forth animals, which also provides food for us. It just keeps on giving. Think about the air that we breathe. The air that we breathe, provided by God. And even though billions of people are, are taking in the air here available to 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 the universe, to the, to the earth's population. Though billions are taking it in, yet it, it never gets exhausted. It's still here. It just, it never runs out. God is so abundant. We read in Acts 14, 17 that God did not leave himself without witness. Acts 14, 17. He did not leave himself without witness, but he did good giving rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In Acts 17, 24 and 25, Paul to the people at Athens, he said, God, the Lord, of the God that made this world, God being Lord of heaven and earth, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. That's God. Our abundant God. Our abundant God. In Matthew 5, as Jesus is talking about loving our enemies, he said, remember God, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He sends the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. That's because God is so abundant. He's so merciful. God loves everyone. And he wants to bless people on this earth so they will turn around and see his goodness. All of this is not just some accident. God designed it that we would have the abundant blessings that we have so that people would see and understand who it is that's sending these blessings and they would repent and turn to Him. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, we, we're, we're reminded of the fact that through Jesus all these things were made, the heaven and earth and everything that we see about us made through Jesus in Him was all these things made. For Him was all these things made. And in, in Him all these things consist. They're held up. In fact, we read in Hebrews 1 and verse uh, 3 that Jesus upholds all things by the word of His power. Notice how abundant the blessings of God really 
our abundance. And then our final word this morning, hardship. Hardship. Thanksgiving is associated with memory, with vision, with abundance, and it is with hardship. Hardship. Is it possible to be thankful in the midst of hardship? We're not asking, is it easy? But rather, is it possible? We're not really asking, is it possible? Let's ask, is it necessary? Is it necessary? And it is. It is. For one thing, it is necessary for the cause of Jesus. The cause of Jesus. When we are going through rough patches in life, the eyes of the world are focused on us more intently than they are any other time because they really want to know whether or not we really mean what we say about our faith. They really want to know. We, they, they know we go to church on Sunday. We, we profess to follow Jesus. But when we have rough patches in our, life, in our lives, that's when people really zero in on us and say, I want to see whether they're going to hold up or not. We must be thankful during times of crisis because the world is staring at us. Remember, it's Satan's old tool. Remember Job 1? Remember Job 1? Satan's challenge to God was, sure, Job serves you with all of his heart right now, but you let him be afflicted and he will curse you to your face that's what Satan said to God. God said, I'll take that challenge. And Job did not curse God. Rather, we read in Job 1, 20 to 22, we see the words of Job. We see his actions, how he went in and worshiped God. We see his words. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm going to, to leave. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even so, let it be. Let it be. We must be thankful. We must hold our integrity during hardship. If we care for Jesus even a little. It's also necessary for our own faith. It really is. And whether we like it or not, whether we even want to admit it or not, whether we even like to think about it or not, it's so true that challenges in life, and I'll just remind us of this by reading in Romans 5, but challenges in life do help us to grow. We see better, we, we see clearer, we understand, we have a greater desire to draw close to God. We're less likely to be involved in the, in the little trivia, um, worldly, petty things of life. When we go through challenges, we know it draws us to the Savior's side. Romans 5, verse 3, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces 
endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who also has been given uh, to us. Being thankful in hardship is also necessary to understand Jesus. When we go through these rough patches, and maybe they're not just patches, maybe it's an entire path that's been rough. We don't determine such things. But when we go through these things, we must be thankful because in that quest, we will understand Jesus better than we ever have. I think that's one of the reasons why Paul understood him so well. Paul understood. Paul looked and was able to look at Jesus and say, He is my Lord. He's my Savior. Listen to Paul's words in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. He says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. In a sense, Paul was saying, bring on the persecutions, bring on the tribulations, because when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It's not easy. Not one of us would ever wish a bad thing on another person. But it's necessary when bad things come to be thankful. To be thankful. Getting up here, I was thinking about this in a personal way. And I feel like in some ways I have grown in this ideal of thankfulness. In other ways, I'm still so far behind. How do you feel? I feel like Paul's words in 2 Timothy 3, around verses 5, 6, and 7, where he says, some are ever learning, but never really able to come to the truth. I feel like that sometimes. Such a basic, pure idea of thanksgiving. And yet, am I just still learning, but never really have I gotten there yet? And so the Lord shares with us some important ideas about thanksgiving. We come to this point. One of the great ways of being thankful is to respond in obedience. Just like that pattern we talked about a minute ago. We recognize him as Lord. We're ready to obey him. He says repent and be baptized. We submit to him. We receive forgiveness. And then there's a life of thanksgiving ahead of us. Will you come this morning right now as we stand and as we sing? Brother James.